You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Willamette Christian Church in Westland, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at willamette.cc or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Just a moment. We have Pastor Charles, who is the founder of African New Life, who's going to be speaking with us today. Uh, but before he, and uh, we, we, that's exactly right. I hear that woo. Amen. Amen. But before he comes up, uh, I just want to make sure that for those of you that may have not been around Willamette or you've never heard of African New Life, I want to make sure uh, that you kind of know the history of our church partnering with African New Life. And I get to share my experience. I just came back from Rwanda in August. This shirt is straight out of Rwanda, okay, and I am rocking it today. That's right. I look good in Rwandan gear. At least that's what my wife tells me. That's all that matters. But, but really, really excited um, to share because what God is doing in Rwanda is nothing short of miraculous. Some of you know just, just by the news of the uh, genocide that took place in Rwanda uh, less than 30 years ago. Uh, for those of you that don't, let me just give you a quick synopsis of, of what happened uh, back in 1994, Rwanda, Rwanda genocide, 1 million Rwandans killed, 2 million Rwandans fled the country as refugees, 1.5 million were internally displaced. This is in a country of 7 million. In other words, it was all around everyone. Uh, the economy completely collapsed. The country was devastated. And it was out of these ashes that a dream was born to see restoration, to see the gospel, to see the church shine. And Africa New Life began with just 30 sponsored children, now over 11,000. And you need to know this, Willamette Christian Church is the number one sponsoring church of all of Africa New Life. Yeah, let's go. And don't think I don't tell all my pastor friends that they're not number one, okay? Like, uh, this, is a, this is a pride and joy. And so for years, for years, uh, Willamette Christian Church has sponsored children. And we know that in the last couple of years, 35, 40% of our church ha- is new and don't know anything, doesn't know anything about African New Life. So we wanted to make sure that, that those of you who are new or newer uh, had an opportunity to be a part of what uh, is a very important ministry of, of Willamette Christian Church. When I was able to go through uh, to Rwanda and experience for myself, uh, when I went there, I was thinking child sponsorship. And, and to be honest, many of you have, have been a part of sp- child sponsorship in, in multiple levels, different ways. But, but when I went, I, was, I realized the vast scope of their ministry. And this is just a very quick highlight. Uh, they have New Life Bible Church with nine campuses. I was able to uh, speak at one of the campuses. And it's just amazing. Uh, the church that, or this uh, town, Niamirama, where we're sponsoring 500 children in the next four years. Uh, Just uh, uh, two months ago, they had a baptism Sunday, and they had over 150 people get baptized, and the church just started this past Easter. So um, it's just amazing to see what's happening Child sponsorship, as Pastor Fred mentioned in the video, 11,000 plus. They have the Dream Medical Center, uh, the hospital that is built right next to Africa New Life uh, 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 Bible Church, the Africa College of Theology. This is so important because so many pastors are pastoring out in rural villages, but they have no education. And, and so they're, they're doing their very best. They've experienced Jesus, but they don't have a good theology. And so by having the Africa College of Theology, these pastors are coming in, getting an education, and the 
and being sent back out with the proper training to pastor well. And then the women's development and vocational programs. This is where this shirt came from. Literally, I drove down this alley. They opened up a gate. Uh, we drove in, opened up a door, and here are all these sewing machines, all these wonderful women. And they walked up to me. They said, hello. And here's all this fabrics on the wall. And they said, pick out some fabric. And I let the, I let the team that was already there pick out the fabric because Jen wasn't with me. And so I didn't know what to do. But they chose. It's just a ream of fabric. They chose this. They took my measurements. And like 24 hours later, I'm wearing this shirt. I'm like, this is amazing. But beyond, beyond the shirt and having fun with this, women are being equipped to be able to have jobs, to have a future in ways that is not happening with the, the economy and the way things are. If you don't have an education, the chances of you having a future is so, so very dim. And so sponsorship is not just like, oh, we're sending people out and they're getting some food and they're getting an education. I can't begin to stress this enough. When we sponsor children specifically in Rwanda, their future changes entirely because they get an education, they get food, they're uh, taught the gospel, and that opens a door for education in the future that would not be available unless these children are sponsored. So this is what we have in front of us, but before we talk about sponsorship and all that, that'll be available after the service. But we want to hear from Pastor Charles because more than all of these things, he loves Jesus deeply, he loves people deeply, and Jesus has changed his life, and he's here to tell you about it. So please welcome Welcome, Pastor Charles McGee. Thank you. Wow. Thank you very much for the welcome. It's so good to be here. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you, Pastor Brian, uh, Pastor Angie, and all the pastors here for the opportunity to be in your pulpit. Um, I want to let you know we enjoyed it to have Pastor Brian come to Rwanda. I mean, that was a highlight of, of real our celebrations uh, because he came in and he, at that moment we had a men's conference just after the celebrations and he was a natural fitting into the men's conference and he ended up answering so many questions uh, for the men in Rwanda. And as a result, now we want him to come back to Rwanda. <laughs> and we're going to have to share him. Because when we find a good one, we want that good one to come back many, many times. We want to thank you for your partnership in redeeming children in Rwanda and transforming lives and communities in the name of Jesus Christ in the nation of Rwanda. Just like Pastor Brian said, you were the first church all over the U.S. to sponsor a thousand children. And now you, amen, give yourself a big hand clap. I mean, that is, that is transformational. And then you start a new journey for Nyamilama to sponsor 500 in a community. That's going to be 1,500. And I understand by now you've hit 100 and more are still coming on the behalf of the children and their families. I want to say thank you. That child sponsorship transforms their lives, gives them an opportunity to go to school, gives them an opportunity to get a school uniform, gives them an opportunity to have a social worker in their community, gives them an, an opportunity to have an access to a nurse and finally to a doctor, gives them an opportunity to complete high school. 
That is outstanding for most of these families because for some of them, they don't have a single high school graduate. So for them to see someone graduating from high school is like some of the people graduating from college here in the U.S. And God uses those child sponsorships to give our children a future. Uh, Today, I want to speak to you from my heart. I have a number of uh, notes here, but I also want to share from my heart and what God has put on my heart. And uh, I've tried to find a title, and I have so many titles because this is coming from my heart. And I've called it, How to Have Dinner with Your Enemies on Redemptive Tables. How to Have Dinner with Your Enemies on Redemptive Tables. Because when you listen to the story of Rwanda, it's a story of redemption. Let's pray. God, I come before you. I thank you for the good things you do for us. And Lord, I pray that this morning you will send your Holy Spirit and that he will give me grace to speak from the heart to your children in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, How to have dinner with your enemies on redemptive tables. Rwanda is a redemptive story of what God has done. Some of you who may not know the story of Rwanda, all the way from the 50s to 1994, that entire country was a country of massacres. My parents were refugees in Uganda for nearly 30, little bit over 30 years. And growing up, all I had is Hutu people killed two people. And uh, this hatred went on for many, many years. In 1994, the entire hatred like, took a different direction and nearly a million people were killed in 90 days. Now, what surprises all of us is the redemption and the restoration God has provided in the nation of Rwanda. When you now come to Rwanda, you're going to find out that Hutu and Tusi are dining on the same tables. They are living in the same communities. God has answered our prayers, and God has done amazing things. And some of the, thank you, and some of the verses that come to me, um, I want to start out from the book of Psalms, because I love the book of Psalms, and I love specifically uh, chapter 23. I've preached about this chapter many, many times. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still, still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
But today, I want to preach from verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. If there's anybody who had so many enemies in his life, David had so many. He had so many enemies in his life, all the way from his point of being anointed. His struggles with Saul and the way he was so careful not even to harm Saul because Saul was anointed of God for that position and how God navigated him through the process of becoming a king and all the future battles he had to fight. This man, David, had so many enemies in his life. It's like he had so many years of heart, of pain, of disappointments. But what I love about the heart of David, David had a short memory of remembering what had happened to him. Uh, in fact, I really thank God for everything I've gone through in my life. I have a short memory in terms of remembering pain. Once it's done, I am able to continue. I want to start by saying, to forgive is a miracle. But to forgive is even so much of a miracle to the one who forgives. To the one who forgives. But so much more of a miracle to the one who gives forgiveness. It's a blessing from the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural event. Friends, let us agree. Our world is not perfect. Rwanda is not perfect. Ukraine is not perfect. Russia is imperfect. America is not perfect. The entire world is not perfect. Because we live in an imperfect world, you are going to hurt me, and sometimes I'm going to hurt you. Okay? And then when we do that, we create an enmity. In some places, like Rwanda, we've had generations of enemies. I mean, like my father would tell me who is our enemy, who was our enemy, and who is potentially the next enemy. Can you imagine growing up in that environment and all you know is an enmity that someone can hurt you, someone can harm you? Obviously, as we've, as we've just said, the, 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 the genocide in Rwanda was as a result of generations of enmity. I remember one of my redemptive moments in Rwanda happened during COVID. Interesting enough. Because during COVID, I had so much time to travel. And I ended up traveling to the remotest places, one of the remotest places of Rwanda where my parents grew up. And in that place, we are seeking to start a new ministry in a place called Nyamagabe. 
And in that place he called Nyamagave, my great-grandparents died there. My grandparents died there. Many of our family members were killed in Nyamagave. And uh, my father had to leave and my mother when they were younger people. And they had to, to run away for nearly 30 years. Now, I want you to imagine God calls me to go to that very place and start a ministry possibly towards the great-great-grandchildren of those who have harassed my family for many years. And I remember walking in the villages of Nyamagabe. And I thought possibly some kind of trauma is going to be stirred up in my heart and I'm going to be angry. But all I saw was forgiveness, was compassion, was kindness. And to me, that was a miracle. And the whole idea of being able now to minister to the children of my enemies is the Lord setting up a table before me and before my enemies and the Lord anointing. Some people are hurt by friends. Some people are even hurt by church. People of God hearty, people of God in the house of faith. The deepest heart in your life actually come from people. They don't come from dogs or pets. I think that's why American people love their dogs, because dogs really hurt us. Human relationships are the greatest source of pain in our lives. But at the same time, they are also the greatest blessing and the greatest joy in our lives. So let us see. Go back to David. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. What do we learn from the story, from this verse, from the story of David, from the, from the life of David? Number one, David is saying, do not seek revenge. The only thing that stopped generations of, 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 of death and pain in Rwanda was stop rehearsing the pain. Do not seek revenge. Don't try to get even. Don't seek revenge. Don't retaliate against those who hurt you. Trust God to even out the odds. Give it to God. Let God settle the score and our God will. Loving our enemies begins with an inward transformation journey. An inward transformation journey. This does not mean that they may, this does not mean that they will be our friends, but it means that God calls us to love them. In fact, someone said this does not mean friendships 
or affections for all people, but a moral love, an obligation to love people. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 43 to 44, the Bible says in Matthew, chapter 43 to 44, you've heard what was saying. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In other words, don't rehearse the pain. Restrain yourself from rehearsing the pain. Love is the foundation for doing right. When you start loving your enemies, you start doing what is right. So David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Remember, David begins the psalm by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, the Lord takes care of me. Shepherds have natural enemies. Wolves attack sheep. Um, coyotes attack sheep. Sheep are surrounded by natural enemies. Snakes attack sheep. Ticks attack a sheep, and sheep is defenseless. They cannot defend themselves from anything. They don't have teeth that are sharp. They cannot bite. They don't bite. They don't kick. They don't run fast. Have you realized? They don't even run fast. They are absolutely defenseless animals, aren't they? They don't know how to do anything. They cannot be safe unless someone protects them. Friends, we are not safe till God protects us. We are not safe till God protects us. Therefore, the job of a good shepherd is to find a good table, a good table land, a mesa, a field of green grass, and drive out all the enemies. Then he brings the sheep and gives them a safe place. This is what the Lord does for us all the time. The Lord creates a safe place for us in the middle of our enemies. He creates a safe place for all of us in the middle of our enemies. He sets a table before us in the middle of our enemies. In other words, God says, I don't want you to revenge I want you to be like a sheep. I want you to leave the situation to me. I want you to leave me to handle the future. Okay? God says, let me handle those who hurt you. Sir, Romans chapter 12, in Romans chapter 12, there's a verse which says, never pay back evil for evil. Never avenge yourselves. Why? You cannot recover from heart by seeking revenge. Can I repeat that? You can never recover from heart by seeking revenge. You've got to decide, are you going to get revenge or are you going to get well? Because you cannot get both. 
If you choose to revenge, you won't get well. If you choose to not revenge, you are actually gonna get better. You are, you are, you, when you retaliate, uh, retaliate, retaliate against the heart, you just, against those who have hurt you, you just escalate the pain. And the pain gets deeper and more serious. It does not relieve the pain. It just escalates it when you revenge. Only, only, the only way to get out of your pain is to learn to forgive. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean that it's okay you hurt me. Forgiveness is not saying what you did is not a bad deal. Forgiveness is not saying it didn't hurt me. Forgiveness is not even denying that evil is not denying the evil done around us. Forgiveness means giving my heart to God and let God settle the score. Just trust God to handle the situation. Don't try to get even. This is the recipe of Rwanda. Don't try to get even. Don't try to attack your enemy. Don't try to hurt your enemy. Love your enemy. And as you love your enemy, you begin to settle the circumstance. Why should, why should I forgive? After I have been hurt. Number one, I should forgive because God has forgiven me. God has God has forgiven me, and therefore God wants me to forgive others. But also, number two, I should forgive because resentment makes me miserable. And number three, I forgive because I will also need more forgiveness in the future. We are all going to need someone at one point to forgive us. We are all going to need someone to forgive us. And then... The Bible says he does not only prepare a table for me before my enemies, but he also anoints my head. Anoints my head, puts an anointing upon me. Let me tell you, seek the healer, Jesus Christ. He is the healer in every circumstance. You anoint my head with oil. The good shepherd Jesus heals all our wounds. We all carry wounds. All of us here have some kind of a wound, a wound of divorce, a wound of separation, a wound of loss of a friend, a wound of betrayal. Who doesn't have a wound here? All of you have some kind of wounds, some hidden wounds, possibly you never tell anybody. But today I want to let you know that Jesus is anointed to anoint your wounds and bring healing in your life. He does not want us to live a wounded life for the rest of our lives. He truly heals us. Shepherds put oil on the heads of the sheep for two reasons. To make their head smooth, but also to heal the head of the sheep. The worst enemy of sheep is flies, okay? Sheep hate flies. 
They cannot shake off the flies either by their hoofs because they don't have hoofs or by their tail because their tail is too big. The thing does not move. In fact, during summertime, wow, the flies enjoy to harass the sheep. The flies get up in their nose and lay eggs in some parts of their body. The lava drives them crazy. Sometimes in the summertime, you see sheep banging its head against the rock because he's going crazy from the flies. He just can't do anything. And what shepherds do? They mix olive oil with sulfur and anoint the head of the sheep, and it's like an insect repairant. This repairant, this repairant makes the sheep free. It takes away the irritations. The things that irritate you, I have good news for you. Jesus anoints us to take away those irritations. And as he takes away those irritations, he will do miracles in your life. He will unleash meaningful life from your pain. He will actually take away the past and the bad memories and the trauma, okay, from your family, from other dysfunctions, as in the case of Rwanda. And God will bring out a beautiful narrative out of your life. Jesus is the healer. Let him anoint you. This is the same Jesus was hearty on the cross and he did not rehearse the pain, but he forgave his enemies. In the book of Psalms 147, a verse says, God heals the broken hearted. He says, not only do I settle the score, but I also Heal, I also heal, I also bring repair. Jesus can heal us. Jesus has healed Rwanda. Jesus, who has healed Rwanda, can heal anybody. Sometimes I listen to a few things and stories of some people, and I just don't want to compare the pain. But let me tell you, if you've been to Rwanda, and you've seen the amount of forgiveness and redemption that has taken place, I want to say there is no one God cannot heal. He can heal us. He can restore community in our lives. And how does he restore community in our lives? Let me run through these three points quickly. Number one, by his grace. The Bible says in James chapter 4 verse 6, but he gives, he, he gives us more grace. This is what scripture says. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. He shows favor to the humble. Number two, God uses prayer to heal us. James chapter 5 verse 13, is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Anyone happy, let them sing songs of praise. And number three, God uses community. Number one, God gives us grace. 
Number two, God uses prayer. And number three, God uses community. God uses his people. God uses our friend. God uses our church. That's why we don't have to run away from our friends. We don't have to isolate ourselves when we have pain, when we have disagreements. We need to find community that can bring healing in our lives. And in our communities, we have found amazing healing. And we thank God for what God is doing in Rwanda, and God can do it anywhere. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you are doing right here. We thank you for what you've done in Rwanda. And God, I pray for anyone in this place who may have any form of pain, that Lord Jesus, you will bring healing in their lives. Lord, I pray that you bring your restoration even in this country where there seem to be so much division. Father, I ask you to bring reconciliation and hope through, the, through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you.